Headline Hollywood. Entertainment cronies and cinema elitists hand out awards for excellence in moving pictures. Sometimes the winners don't hold up to the test of time. So we're here in the future to tell them how they got it wrong. <clears throat> this is Switch the Envelope. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Welcome to Switch. Oh, nope. Yes. Welcome to Switch the Envelope, the podcast that aims at rewriting Hollywood award history. My name is Corey. Yeah, I was just saying I love that. I love. Oh, I do love that theme song. I'm Jeff, by the way. Uh, Last week, I do. I do love our theme song. It's real fun. It's real Hollywoody. Yeah, know? it's very old Hollywood. I love yeah. it. Gets me in the mood to talk about movies. You know? Yeah, I do know. Uh, this is part two of this week's episode in which we are talking about 2011's Oscars Best Picture. Absolutely. Yes. In this episode, we're going to go over our metric and decide who should have beat the King's Speech. And before we do that, though, can we take a minute to talk about the Orville? <laughs> sure, yeah. Let's go... In the middle of our, our uh, movie podcast, let's talk about talk some about quality television. television. The Orville and how great it is. Yeah. You know, what's interesting, actually, um, we're not going to go into the Orville, but uh, this particular Aww. batch of movies, there's uh, a few of them, one of which got vetoed, um, that felt like like I'm spoiled now that like Netflix and HBO have such good television now that like these some of these movies, I felt like, this kind of would have been better if I would have been able to binge like six hours of it as a TV show. Well, let me ask you a question. You know what I mean? Do you think, because you know, we are now a, a podcast that is 90% correct on picking Academy Award winners. 90% accuracy. 90% accuracy. Confirmed. Confirmed. Now, what do you think about Netflix being able to submit movies to the Academy Awards? Well, as long as they follow all the same rules as any other studio by releasing it in, in actual cinema and, you know. So the movie that just came out with uh, Ben Affleck and... Ben Affleck. Uh, Affleck. Mm-hmm. Ben Affleck and uh, Charlie Hunnam. Mm-hmm. Okay. That movie, they simultaneously released it in theaters mm-hmm. and put it on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Amazon does the same thing. To me, I don't really feel that Netflix and Amazon and those streaming services should really be able to be up for an Academy Award. I think there should be a separation huh. because I would never go to the theater to see a movie that's already streaming on my TV. Right. But you are you are paying for that exclusivity by being a subscriber to that service. Yeah. But nobody's going to go. I don't think any I don't I, I think if you see the numbers, I don't think anybody's going to the movies to see those movies. Probably not. Going to the theater to see No, they're movies. they're only doing it to to be to in Oscar contention. Exactly. Sure. And if that's what they're doing, I think and I think, uh, I, I can't remember if it was uh, Martin Scorsese or Steven, I think it's Steven Spielberg that's like trying to get it changed, so there's a difference between movies that oh, are being in, released. for the Academy, yeah, yeah. The Academy and movies that are just streaming. That's how they would be able to combat it, sure, is that you would have to have a theatrical release only for a certain amount of time in certain markets before it goes to any other platforms, for sure, yeah. You know? Um Though I don't see, like, there's movies that go on, like, iTunes or on demand on, like, your direct TV service at the same time that they're in theaters. What's different about those? I don't think there is. I think if a movie, oh. yeah, unless it's an indie release. Yeah, I mean, usually those are more indie released. So they can get a wider audience by, you know, being on your direct TV on demand in theaters now section, you know. But the difference there is that Netflix and Amazon Prime and, all those services, they're not indie. I mean, that you can. I mean, they may be able to pull indie movies and put them on their service because uh-huh. you can. I mean, mm-hmm. you can pull, pull, and they do. Yeah, but they themselves are a mass distributor. If you get your movie on Netflix or on Amazon Prime, you are a mass distributor, and your movie is to millions. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Like it, the media is changing. The way we consume our our content has completely shifted, and I think. The academy, the academy having accepted them as rightful sort of theatrical releases because they are as good as the other films that were released just in theaters. They just went through a new medium, a new media, you know, channel. Like that's just the evolving times. You know what I'm saying? No, well, yeah, but I think that 
I really believe that movies need to hold on to their movies shouldn't go the way of music. Mm-hmm. Movies should hold on to their value and say to them, it's not that they we're not wanting to change. It's that seeing a movie in a theater has value mm-hmm. and that there's something to this and that the experience we're giving to people is an experience we give them in this environment and that sure. the theater goes along with the movie. See, I, I would argue that because TV production has caught up and become incredibly cinematic, that two things have happened. Um, one, we're now conditioned to be um, like receptive to great um, stories and great you know, um, cinematic type experiences through our television screen. And because of that, too, you know, there are certain movies that you don't really need to have that cinema experience with. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are some movies where, like, yeah, you really should see that on the big screen, like an Avatar or like a real big action movie. You know, like Transformers, I think, should only be seen on a big screen. You know, if you're going to go watch that on your television, it's it's going to, like, just be pointless. You know, the scale, the scope of those giant Transformers doing their thing and fighting each other, I think is a big screen experience. You know, a, a epic war movie is something that needs a big screen to like sell the depth of what they're trying to do. You know, um, something that's shot beautifully uh, that has like, you know, a really intimate story can still be appreciated on a smaller screen just as much because we're used to that now on our sort of television consumption. But I think people will 100% always pick laziness over um, the experience. So if people can Absolutely. watch a movie in their theater or uh, that Uber, they could see Postmates, yeah, <laughs> people pick a little. People pick the 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 experience is not as important as as you know convenience for people. No, bring it right to my home. So I think that they should hold out and say that that these movies they shouldn't be involved in the academy. I think these movies should be. I think if Netflix wants to release movies in the theater for a certain amount of time, then yes, do that. But they shouldn't be. Academy movies, unless they are theater movies first and then put on Netflix. And I understand that that would make it so that I couldn't see it right away, but I think I should have to go to the theater to see it. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with that. You know, um, I, I enjoy going, like, I enjoy the theater experience when I can go to the movies. Yeah, that I can't little... wait for my, like, my youngest to get old enough to where, like, I can go to the movies on a regular basis again. But that it is that... nightmare fuel to try to get him to sit through a movie right now. <laughs> Because that little that little change will make it so that it 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 secures the integrity of going to the theater. I agree. No, no, no I, I agree. But um, like I said, the the medium of television has you know in some ways eclipsed uh, what it is to share these types of stories because they can extend the experience and do it with the same quality, same budget, same. I mean, look at Game of Thrones, man. Game of Thrones, quality wise, um, in story in in CG effects, in, um, you know, quality of acting and scope of their cinematography is on par with any great movie that's out there. But you get to see six of them, 12 of them a season, you know, and you're not missing anything as a fan by seeing it only on your, you know, 60-inch yeah, television. and every... I watch it every Sunday night that it's on, sure. and then every Monday morning I'm depressed because they've killed off one of my favorite characters, <laughs> you fuckers. Well, you know, that's you know that's that's the plight of being a Game of Thrones fan is that don't get connected to anybody because they're all going to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brutal deaths, usually. <laughs> Nobody just like Awful. peacefully dies in their sleep in that movie. They're always like getting thrown out of a tower or getting kicked down a hole or their eyes being gouged out of their face. Yep. You know? Fun times. And the ones you want to die are just happy in a yep. Westeros. It's really, you know, it's a, it's a parallel to the real world, man. Gross people continue to be gross, and good people sometimes die. All right, so back to uh, movies. Yeah, on that note, on the lighter note, <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's go ahead and recap our nominees, and then we can explain <clears throat> our... Our metric, because it's been a while since we've done a best it's picture. It's been metric. a while. It's been it's been a, a minute. Well, it's been I, a I while since it. we've had a since we've had a, as many episodes as this because we've been in our we're in our temporary home right yeah, now studio while B. we're while our while our studio A is being worked on. Yeah, I hear they're putting in a light wall. Ooh. We are getting a light wall. It's gonna look so cool. Fun times. Um, 
All right, so the nominees for Minus Our Vetoes. If you listened to last episode, uh, Jeff enacted <laughs> veto power. We now have presidential veto power. Sorry, I took civics in high school. Uh, when um, when uh, there's this many nominees, so instead of doing alternates, we go to the opposite, and we knock down a couple, and we each have a veto. Um, and so Minus the Vetoes, these are the nominees for 2010, or excuse me, 2011 Best Picture. The King's Speech. 127 hours. Black Swan. The Fighter. Inception. The kids are all right? All the kids are right. <laughs> all the kids are right. Uh, what is that? That is uh, the social but, network. But, but no, it really is the kids are all right. The kids but, are but all There's an emphasis supposed correct. to be on all right, like yeah. they're correct. Uh, the social network. And True Grit. Yeah, those are our movies. Vetoed were Toy Story 3 and Winter's Bone. They weren't going to win the Oscar anyway. It's cool. All right, Jeff, take us through our old and tried and true metric for judging these movies. Okay, if you listen to our episode two, three, or four, you know that we developed this this metric through very painstaking, painstaking <clears throat> argument and debate. So, for all of you switches out there mm-hmm. who are playing the home game at home, home game at home? The home game at home. Yeah. Home no, game at home? Yeah, that, All right. That, checks that out. works. Okay, if you're playing the, <laughs> the home version in your casa, switch the envelope best picture rating system is as follows. We give a movie one finger if the movie is timeless. We give them a second finger if the movie is compelling. We give a movie a third finger if it is well cast. We give a movie a fourth finger if the movie holds up to multiple viewings. By the way, this is the most subjective one. If it multiple viewings means we can watch it many times. Now, some movies, like a movie like The Pianist, which came out and it won everything, that's not a multiple viewing movie, but it was an Academy Award winning darling. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the year. But that's 94? one that that's one that always comes to my head when I think of The Pianist. No, not 94. As being one that doesn't really hold up to multiple viewings, but it was an Academy Award winning darling. So the fourth finger has to hold up to a multiple viewings. And, and, then, and not, not just that you have actually seen it multiple times, but that you would want to seek out seeing it multiple times. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and then the, four, the fifth and final finger is the most important to us, is mm-hmm. would you recommend this movie to multiple people or recommend this movie to somebody else? And they I, see it? honestly, for something to be considered the best of something, you're going to, like a very, very important quality that it should have is that everybody needs to see this because it's the best in class. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's very, very important. Uh, I do, but I'm eating a barbecue chip. You know, I, I've gotten, I've gotten some, uh, some feedback on on our metrics in general, and uh, that pe- some people get uh, angry at how sort of limited the scope is of our metrics, um, and it makes you know, well, it tell makes those them, people to tweet me, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, you might, you can tweet us. Uh, you know, you can tweet us suggestions for how how to change it. But I like how, um. How it leaves a little bit of that gray area for for everything. Describe limited. Well, no, just like the, they're like, oh, well, when you do this one, this particular you know finger um, doesn't really cover the whole just of what's going on when when a movie gets made or like that part of the movie. And it's like, you know what? The fact that um, it's engaging enough to start that debate, I think, is makes it a success, and um, it's really to encourage more of that debate. You know, and I hope that people use our metric uh, to start those debates within their own friend groups, because you fill in all that gray area with the discussion, right? Yeah, because our 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 rating system is meant so that you can sit around and play, like we said, the home game with your friends home. and talk about these movies. It also is for we don't want to talk to just film elites. We want to talk to everybody about these movies, right? And, you know, for something to be, you know, universally loved as a best thing, um, you know, it's... it's Everybody gonna, has to enjoy it. It's It's got to have a bit of that sort of, like, personal opinion spin in there. And, you know, we could rate these movies ten times and maybe come up with ten different outcomes for those movies. But in general, I think it's a, a pretty uh, pretty decent rating system to get us, you know, going for debate. All right. Let's get into it. All right, lots of movies to get into. So, um, do you want to just start with 
just go right like right down the list? Sure. In in order of nomination. Sure. Let's start with King's speech. All right. The King's speech. It's Colin Firth. Colin Firth. With movie a movie about a Colin Firth, a, a king that can't speak. Yeah. Um, now it's more compelling about that. Of course, <laughs> it's more compelling than that. It was, it's ironic that I couldn't speak when I was talking about the king's speech. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's more more compelling than that because there's a, there's, there's a lot about this king that is very interesting that Meghan Markle would be pissed about because because <laughs> <laughs> he abdicated the throne. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> look into it. Because it is very hilarious if you look into Meghan Markle's situation and this King's situation. Yeah, you know what's this movie for me got me interested in like the actual history, and then I found the actual history way more fascinating. Okay. No. I mean, yeah, I, I could, I could, I, I find. Well, I'm, I'm, I would agree with you anyway because I find history generally more interesting than the but but there movie. there are there are movies that cover historical events that give you a sort of uh, nuanced view of that piece of history that makes it more compelling than the sort of like cut and dry pieces well, of what actually happened most of the time the history that happens in movies is completely inaccurate like in sure. movies like Braveheart sure completely inaccurate or movies le- or shows like the they Vikings they never had their freedom like Vikings terrible not even not even accurate right well no <laughs> in Braveheart there's a whole scene about a the, the main battle scene yeah Completely inaccurate. That never happened that way. That but it looked it. great on screen. Looked great on screen. All the blue faces. Completely inaccurate. Oh, cinematic iconic piece. Yeah, you know, but uh, yeah, not not accurate. Um, but anyway, going to the King's Speech. Is this a timeless movie? I actually think this is a timeless movie. You're talking about a piece of British history. Um, it's a piece of British history that I think a lot of Americans didn't know about. Mm-hmm. It's the reason that Queen Elizabeth, the longest reigning queen in history, is got to the throne. Sure. Um, I don't think that a lot of Americans really know the backstory. I think this gave a lot of people a backstory to um, to dive, like you just said, to mm-hmm. dive into the history. So I think it's a timeless, timeless movie. It did. It did absolutely pique my interest. That's true. Um, and it's Colin Firth, man. It is Colin Firth. He's great. He's great. Yeah. Um, timeless. You know, <clears throat> it's one of those movies that I hope that in another 10 years or so, it doesn't feel dated. You know, I think it has the potential to feel dated, but it is a period piece. So, uh, you know, where we think lightly of period pieces is always being timeless because it sort of captures like an era. And I think they did that successfully. So sure. Timeless. Uh, is the story compelling? Yeah, it's a compelling story. Just in its, the nature of the story is compelling. I think it uh, deals with, but you know that may be compelling to us. I don't know if the mm-hmm. the the if England if they think of this as a compelling story, but it changed yeah. the course of history for for their royal family and ultimately the world, right? Like, well, I mean, I don't know how much impact the royal family has on the world, but anymore, I mean, maybe if this well, was Henry the Eighth, <laughs> but sure, in modern times, the royal family doesn't really have that much impact. It's true. Although, I mean, Queen Elizabeth has been, like I said, the longest reigning queen of all time. So this did have an impact because this is how she became queen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I would say that the story was compelling. It was compelling enough for me to want to see more about what was going on at that time with this particular king. You know, um, it, it just when I discovered all of the other rich history that is going on around there like with the other brother that sort of became strange bedfellows with Hitler and like all of that shit um it was infinitely more more compelling to me the actual like story of it but um yeah I'll give I'll give it compelling cuz it it drew me into further um uh research into like what was going on at that time uh was the movie well cast I think you have very heavy hitters in this movie very heavy hitters very heavy hitters. Although you know, I'm not. I'm not big on Helena Bonham Carter. Really? I don't really like. her. I like her. I. I, the, I don't. The second uh, uh, week in a row that we've done a, a British. Movie I know because she was Helena in, Bonham Carter. She was in her one of her first big movies was in 1986 yeah, Academy Awards. Or, room with yeah. a view. Yeah, and and this one, the King's Speech. Um, well cast. Yeah, heavy hitters. I I would say absolutely well cast. You know. Um, 
there isn't a, a piece in here where I just go, well, maybe not that person. Yeah. You know? Guy Pierce, fantastic. Ever since uh, L.A. Confidential. <laughs> right. Um, does the movie hold up to multiple viewings? Uh, it depends on who you're talking to for me. Yeah. I think a lot of people would say yes. I think a lot of people would say this is a great movie. But what would you say? I would not watch it a bunch multiple times. Uh, I saw it the once, and if I really wanted to revisit this, I would go watch a documentary or scroll a Wikipedia page or read a you know a book about it. I didn't really need to see it again. I don't need to see it again. So yeah, I wouldn't give it's it. It's not a movie that I would go out and get a bunch of times. I mean, if it was on you know TBS. I might go, yeah, but if it was on a movie where I was like, I'm gonna sit down and watch, you know, actually, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'm not seeking this movie out. No, for sure. I think there, there's actually on Netflix there is a documentary series. Uh, maybe it was done by somebody else, but it's, it was on Netflix for a while. Um, called The Royals, I think. No, that's the no. The Royals. Is the TV what's the? Show. There's a documentary about. Um, uh, what's the name of the royal family? What's their fucking name? Ugh. It's like their last name. What's the which one? Fucking last name. Theirs or or um, Queen Elizabeth. Queen Elizabeth. There's two different. The Windsors. Yes, I think it's called The Windsors. Uh, It's like a a four or five part um, documentary series where they kind of take you from, uh, you know, World War II into the transition into King Queen Elizabeth and then into her kids and Princess Diana and Charles and all of that. Uh, And it's it's really interesting. Well done. Um, but it, when it covers this whole soul section, um, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the King's Speech stuff. Wow, this is way more interesting than the King's Speech. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I'd, I would rather revisit that documentary series than have to watch this movie again. But, you know, it's fine. All right, next one. Would you recommend this movie? Oh, uh, yeah, I definitely recommend, the, recommend okay. the movie. You'd recommend the movie. Uh, I would recommend the documentary. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's half point. <laughs> you know. All right, it's so tallying up the King's Speech score. It gets one, two, three and a half. Three and a half? Driving Miss Daisy over here. All right, moving on to our next film, 127 Hours. This is James Franco sawing off his arm, getting stuck in a rock. Okay, all right, all right off the bat, this is a tough movie to watch. Oh, yes. Yes. So I can already tell you when it comes to the, t- the multiple viewings, we're going to have an issue. But mm. All right, let's go. Well, so yeah, this this movie is one of those where like it's supposed to be like this uplifting story of survival. But man, is it depressing because you have to watch a man cut off his own arm to survive. Like it's or like he sort of cuts it with a dull knife and then he kind of breaks it. Ah, it's so ugh. no, thank you. So is no, the movie, thank you. Is the movie timeless? Oh, <sighs> I mean, it's shot well. You know, it doesn't look like. I wouldn't say that there's anything that would like severely date it. It's also kind of a period piece in that it's a real, real story that took place in a specific time. But you don't get a sense of that necessarily. Um, is it shot through? Isn't it shot partially through GoPro style cameras? Is it? Uh, perhaps. I thought that some of his shots are like. Like not are the that kind of uh, like wide angle, yeah, or like uh, what's it called, fisheye lens, yeah. Uh, yeah well, I mean, we're that feels fresh to us now because GoPro is. If that's if that's that if might, that's the case, yeah. then that would date it a little should bit. We, should we half point it just for that? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think if we're talking about timeless, I think the story is a timeless story, but I think this is a story that's going to be revisited later on. I could see this being remade for sure. Yeah. So a no from Jeff. I think you know what I give it a point. It's fine. All right, we're, we're going to go half a point because we feel I feel like we're kind of split. So I'll give it no for timeless. Um, is the story compelling? Yes. Fuck yes, it's compelling. Um, Only an asshole would say this isn't a compelling story, <laughs> right? Yeah, I I think that. Um, it's yeah, it's one of those where you're just like, no fucking way this actually happened to this dude. And you you just creep to the edge of your seat throughout this movie. Not because it's like a suspenseful thriller, but you're just like, the fuck, man. Like is you start you start empathizing with the character and in a for a, you know, movies that's gold, right? Um yeah. you really start feel like you start getting phantom pains in your arms. <laughs> you know. Um yeah, compelling for sure. 
was the movie well cast? You like James Franco in this? Um, I think it was well, well cast. I do not like James Franco. Yeah, I don't like him in any. But was he okay in this? He was good in it, and Kate Mara was fantastic. I just love just because her. I like her. I, I like her, her a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, not much to the cast. Um, and I, I think James Franco did a fantastic job in this movie. Yeah, yeah. one point, one finger. Um, does the movie hold up to multiple viewings? No, I'm not. I I would never I watch this movie don't again. Need to see this movie it's too uncomfortable. Again. Yeah, I don't. It's like watching the movie, movie alive again. Oh yeah, I don't you need know? to see alive. I don't want to see it again. again. I don't want to see the soccer players eat each other. Uh, you don't need yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's a hard movie to watch at times. Yes, so no on that. Um, would you recommend this movie? E- no, no, no. You wouldn't recommend this movie. I would say, hey, go watch something that's not going to make you, not going to make you like you know, <laughs> quench your body up and. Yeah, um, I enjoyed this movie. I, I would definitely recommend this movie. Like it's it's one of those where like this really happened to a dude. You got to see the movie about it. For me, half point. Yeah. All right, tallying right, up movie. their their score. One hundred and twenty seven hours gets one, two, three fingers. All right, so right now we are going to take a break. Oh yeah. For you, you guys can go get some lemonade. Okay. Or go take a pee break. Or if you're in your car, just sit and wait and listen to the relaxing music. After these messages, we'll be right back. All right, and we're back. I feel refreshed. I feel refreshed. I had to pee. So refreshed. All right, moving on with uh, more of these movies. We are now to Black Swan. (laughs) Oh, Black Swan. You, Darren Aronofsky... Masterpiece question mark like this is a movie that I feel like it's it's saying something important about like the quest for for perfection you know but I I didn't connect a whole lot with this movie but it, it when I watch it I feel like I should like this movie right I like seeing that 70s shows Jackie in something that's oh, serious yeah. I like you seeing know? I like seeing her and Natalie Portman going you know Yeah I mean Natalie Portman and her in that that was good um They have they have good chemistry together actually They do but I like seeing like her doing something that's you know Different. a little less a little more serious cuz I mean you know she was in um Saving Sarah or in, uh, Forgetting, Forgetting Sarah, Sarah Marshall, Marshall. Mm-hmm. and you know that 70s show but I'm glad she did something serious but the movie was a little bit it's weird. It's a weird movie. Yeah. Yeah. It is it is a little weird. There's um you know uh, Yeah. <laughs> it's it gets it gets weird. Um some of it is kinda hard to understand. It, it's one of those movies too where like it makes you not trust the things that are happening to our main character. Lots of mirrors in this movie. Lots of mirrors. <laughs> Lots of mirrors, the like hallucination stuff, the like um, psychosis taking over. Like you don't trust what is reality, what is what is you know her. Did I mention there's lots of mirrors? There's lots of mirrors. Yeah, lots of mirrors. You know that's a dancing thing. Also a uh, sort of uh, metaphor for her reflecting on her own imperfections. But there's mirrors. There is. Yeah. And she writes <laughs> horror on one of them. Sure. Yeah, she does. Um, she also like she's got like feathers coming out of her skin and shit. Like, yeah, it's weird. Um, is it a timeless movie? No, I don't think it is. Actually, I think this is one of those movies that you look, you're going to look back on and say, well, that worked in that time, just kind of like Memento or sure. um, Head or any of those other movies sure. that are a little bit... Um, <clears throat> like, in this same category, Inception is mind-bending, but it's, an, it's mind-bending in a way that you can look back on and go, oh, that's cool. This movie is mind-bending in a way where you look back and go, eh. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little art housey. Exactly. And this has Vincent Cassell, and I can't stand him. <laughs> he bugs me. Mila Kunis doesn't make up for Vincent Cassell? No, he, he <laughs> is just annoying. I don't know why. I, I really don't know why. There's nothing about him, too. He's a great actor. <laughs> He's perfectly fine. He's great. He was in Ocean's 12 and 13. He's good. He does a terrible, he does a terrible movie where he, pretend, he tries to be like a... Like a outlaw, it's really bad. But other than that, I mean, he's just okay. But he's something about him bugs me. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know. All right, so um, timeless. We're saying no. Okay. Uh, is the story compelling? I don't think it is. Hmm. 
Uh, I'm going to give it a point here. I'm going to say half point. I, like I said, I was riveted by what was happening on screen because I had this feeling like there's something important here that I'm, I need to absorb. You know, um, I didn't connect wholly with the movie, but I did watch the whole thing like anticipating what was coming next, you know. It might honestly for me it just might not be my cup, cup of tea. tea. Yeah. yeah. Um was the movie well cast? <laughs> yeah, I think it was well cast except for Vince Cattell. Vincent Cassell. I think uh if they would have just not included him. <laughs> so that's a no? It's a no. It's a no from Jeff. But no, man, the for the to- the lead actors, both of them were good. I thought they did a good job. Uh, Natalie Portman is is great in this. You and know, so was Jackie from that yeah, 70s show. Yeah, you know, Mila Kunis is fantastic. Um, <clears throat> it's a is fine. I don't know what you have a problem with. Like, <laughs> I don't know why, man. All right. I mean, so, Meg Griffin was really good. Half, yeah, half a point uh, for well cast. Uh, does the movie hold up to multiple viewings? Uh, I would. I don't think I'd watch it multiple times. This movie is hard to watch once. I yeah. can't. You know what, though? I also thought this movie was really boring. Just, uh, yeah, yeah. Honestly. It, uh, this this is a movie that I think if I saw it three times, I would be like, oh, you know what I'm saying? It's it's one of those types of movies. Maybe you have to get maybe that's true, man. Maybe you have it may to be just, one where you need multiple viewings. So I true. think I'm yeah. going to give it a point. Here, I'm not. Um, I'm not. I don't think I you need to get there. I don't think that I will ever give it multiple viewings. <laughs> I think if you have to, if you have to watch something multiple times to get it, you were it wasn't made properly. That's a decent point. Um, or half a point. Just a decent half a point, half a finger. Uh, would you recommend this movie? No. Half finger. Oh wait, would you? Um, Just no. Just your face. I feel like there's, you would. There's other Darren Aronofsky movies that I, I would recommend ahead of this for sure. So all of you playing yeah. along at home, what was your score? Yeah. What did you score, Black Swan? Let us for know Black on Twitter. Swan. Black Swan. Black Swan. Black Swan. For Black Swan. What did you score? I don't know. Send us a tweet. A tweet. But for us, we scored on uh, Black Swan. One and a half fingers. Oh, my God. One and a half fingers. <laughs> Damn. We did not like that movie. No, not as much. All right. Next up, The Fighter. Christian the fighter. Bale lost a bunch of weight. Christian Bale lost a bunch of weight, and it is Mark Wahlberg's remake or pre or prequel to Invincible, since it's basically the exact same movie <laughs> it is kind of it's a more serious more uh poignant well put together version of so it's an athlete who is yeah. older than he should be getting his getting his shot mm-hmm. at the getting his shot at the big time just like his part that he played sure. as his <laughs> character in the philadelphia eagle eagles yeah yeah uh you know mark Wahlberg has a type <laughs> yeah He's kind um, of a one trick pony. He did he did make it a point to um train uh as a boxer for this movie because Yeah, I think he was training as an eagle too. Yeah, he totally I, was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he you know, he wanted to make sure that um he was uh, as authentic as possible and I, I think you know that that should be celebrated uh for somebody like a Mark Wahlberg who sometimes isn't taken as seriously as an actor. Um dude, on his like first movie First major movie he was nominated for an Academy Award, I think. Was he? Yeah, like um, what's it called? Um, Well, Boogie Nights was his first was his first major movie, but he had two movies before that that were he's always been actually okay. He's for his level of being because he's not. I mean, he's not a very good actor, but for for the level that he's at, he's always gotten fairly good praise. I, I think that he's typically movie, good luck Charlie or I think good? he he's typically you know he's sort of like the I'll look that up the generic uh, like action star you know f- fill in him for he's also in Basketball Diaries is he he's in Basketball Diaries he's he the is. other one in Basketball Diaries it's true it's one of his first Marky Mark because he played his first movie was Fear mm-hmm. which was you know whatever it was just a normal movie where he plays like the stalker Teen guy thriller. yep uh, with. It's not Alicia Silverstone. It's, it's Reese Witherspoon, right? Reese Witherspoon and uh, Grissom. He's in that. He's the dad. I know that. Um, and then I thought he was in something Charlie. Good luck, Charlie. Or I don't know. I don't know. I, Al, I, do you have that? I always feel like he is the lesser of those better movies that he's in. You know, like I agree. He doesn't bring the project down, but like he's sort of the the low watermark for uh the on like the better ensemble pieces that he's in 
you know. Yeah. Um, as he's progressed in his um, acting career, you can see him trying to like further his abilities, and I appreciate that. Um, you know him honing his craft like Channing Tatum is another one of those actors where it's just like all right Channing Tatum doesn't quite have the chops oh look Channing Tatum kind of is better in this movie actually Channing Tatum was pretty good in this movie I Heart Huckabee that's what I was I Heart Huckabee Heart yeah Huckabee. see he is the low water mark in in I Heart Huckabees too mm-hmm. you know um, and the truth about Charlie that's what I was saying that's what in 2002 he did the truth about Charlie where he did a really good job and yeah he's always been in the, he's actually been in really good movies Mm -hmm. that he kind of he's gotten more praise i think than he deserved he's got a he's got a great uh agent (laughs) he does man and then once he did because he did oh and he also did he actually did a fantastic job in renaissance man and if you remember his part in renaissance man he did a good job i don't remember renaissance man Ah, that's okay we'll move on all right so the fighter is that a timeless movie (laughs) i I don't know if it would be timeless. It's it's got a very similar theme to it. It's very rocky. Uh a little bit. Um it is another like true story that does take place in a specific time, so like they do capture that well. I mean, there's um, a, there's 100 movies the that theme, have the, the theme, same same exact theme. That theme is a timeless theme. It's because... a timeless theme, but is that one movie the one movie like okay, Rocky is timeless because Rocky was the first to do it. Is this yeah. movie timeless? Because this movie, I mean, Invincible, another Wahlberg movie, is the same exact theme. See, I would say the fighter, timeless, Invincible will be dated, even though it is another period piece. But there, that period piece is very stylized, and will will be like no, but like, oh, I, I don't look a, at timeless mid, like will it be dated? I, I look at timeless like is the story so 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 timeless that you can go back whether whether it was shot well or not, you can go back and listen to that, and it's still going to make you so you're still going to want to watch it no matter what. Yeah, I would say the that the fire and would would carry that. To me, I don't think so. I think it's the same theme as every other movie that Rocky established a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but it's such a well made movie that it takes what Rocky did and eclipses it. You know, half a point. All right, half a point. By the way, that was half a point. I don't know if you heard me. I was like half a point. Half a finger. I was drinking some water. Is the story of the fighter compelling? Yeah, absolutely. I would say Christian Bale specifically is very compelling. Melissa Leo is great in this movie. Um, you know, getting a little ahead of myself on the well cast thing, but like their performances. But that's not the story. No, no, no. But their performances within the story really carry a lot of weight and mm-hmm. make it compelling for sure. You know. Um, but okay, if you were to take the way the acting and just read the script, is the story compelling? I would say so. Say so. Or is it a standard story you would get from any other story similar to this? I think the fact it's that it's typical themes, it's typical up, oh, up, oh, here's the part where he's going to, uh, here's where he goes into jail, and here's where, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, oh, this is where he's going to fail, and no, we know he's going to, you know. I think they keep making those stories because they are compelling. Everybody loves like an underdog type of of story. Now he's going to get his shot. Yeah, everybody likes the guy getting his shot movies. I think. That is absolutely compelling. Okay. So that's a yes from you, yes from me? Yeah. You talked me into it. Okay. Was the movie well cast? Yeah, of course. I think Mark Wahlberg and the guy from Swing Kids are well cast. You mean the guy from Newsies? guy from Newsies. Yeah. He's also in Swing Kids. Yeah, no, I know. Okay. <laughs> just kidding. It's not like you were correcting me. I was like, no, he's in Swing Kids. No, no. And I like Swing Kids way better than Newsies. I was Newsies. just bringing up another movie from his early repertoire. Um, yes, Melissa Leo is a fantastic in this movie. Um, I, I can't praise her enough for for being that that mom. <laughs> um, the guy from Fear is also really good. Yeah, he, he's he he steps up this one. The, the point that I was making earlier was that like, the guy from Four Brothers. He's also really good. Yeah, he's he's really good. Uh, Three Kings. He's, Three Kings. The guy from Three Kings, the one that's in much this movie. better than Four Brothers. Yeah, he um, yeah Mark Wahlberg really really squeezed every bit of himself out of this movie. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you see this step. If you go back and watch Boogie Nights compare it to what he's doing in The Fighter, the stuff in Boogie Nights, and part of the problem with with me having seen Boogie Nights much later than, like I didn't see it when it came out, so I didn't get that natural like, um, 
you know, like, ah, Mark, Mark Wahlberg doing his thing in Boogie Nights is great. And then seeing him progress naturally, I saw it in reverse where I had already seen him do some of his better work and then went back to Boogie Nights and I'm like, ah, some of it's a little campy, you know, like I, I wasn't. Well, some of as, it's just downright bad. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so the evolution of Mark Wahlberg, I love that you get that this is one of those movies where he like he hits really hard. Um, and he has to try to stand up next to the Christian Bales and the Melissa Leos and you know all the other people that are in this movie, and he holds his own, um, well cast, absolutely. Cool. Yes, I think this holds up to multiple viewings. Multiple viewings, yeah. It's yeah. again, everybody loves an underdog story. You can throw it on. It's it's good. See, this is one where the multiple viewings actually helps the story. Yeah. Um, would you recommend this movie? Sure. <laughs> you would recommend this movie. Yeah. Why not? Okay. Um, I would recommend Rocky. <laughs> well, I would definitely recommend Rocky over. If you hadn't seen Rocky and you go see The Fighter, I'd be like, no, you got to go see Rocky. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. that That's precisely what I'm saying. If somebody came up to me and was like, oh, I've never seen The Fighter, I'd be like, oh, well, it's a good movie, Like, if you get a chance. I, I wouldn't be like, oh, my God, you haven't seen The Fighter? You know? I would say, have you seen Rocky? Well, then, you know, you're good. <laughs> yeah. You know? All right. So tallying up its score. One, two, three, a four. Solid. Solid score for the fighter. Wow. All right. We are halfway through, looks like. Halfway through? Yeah. Uh, Inception. One of my favorite movies of this year. Is this movie timeless? Um, I would say this movie is definitely timeless. Absolutely. It's completely original. Um, it is uh, fascinating, the the layers that happen in this movie. Um the the depth in which Christopher Nolan has created a world uh with within uh you know this dream in a dream in a dream you know the um even down to the guesswork of uh you know are you they in the real life at the end with the spinning top it kind of wobbles what is that you know like absolutely timeless like there's moments in this thing that became almost instantaneously iconic cinema wise I would not go that far I think at some points, I think it's a little too much. Mm. I think the world he creates is a little bit, meh. It's a little too much of, um, it's mind-bending in times when you don't need to be mind-bending. Other than that, I think it's a great movie. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It set a precedent for me that where, like, when I saw Doctor Strange, I was like, oh, look who, like, everybody was praising Doctor Strange for all of its, like, CGI work and, like, bending the cities and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, yo, did you motherfuckers see Inception? Because they did that shit <laughs> way before Doctor Strange. You know, Doctor Strange is just copying that same general thing, you know? I, I don't know. Um, so, Inception, timeless. Uh, is the story compelling? As far as the compelling, if you just take yeah, the enough. story as itself, there's Joseph Gordon-Levitt fighting in a in a spinning hallway, man. That's all you need. I know, but that's but what you're talking about is just CGI. No, I know. It's I know. just I was kidding. I'm talking about the story itself. I wouldn't give it a compelling story. I mean, I figured out that damn story like halfway through the, not even halfway through. I was like, okay, I got it. I got gotcha. you. I, I didn't figure out the. I figured out the damn ending. I I, I, don't, I was like, this is gonna. This is what the ending's gonna be. I don't think it mattered the way that they told that story. The the device, the devices that they use to convey the the way that the dreams that is work, not what it is. That is is compelling. I was compelled the entire way through because I loved the way they were telling me this story. No, but if the story is compelling, the story is compelling whether it is on page or whether it is in, in thing. It is a compelling story. Whether you read it in a book, right? Whether you read it, and I, I would be just as compelled if they were to describe all of the things that happen, because then my my brain would be making up all the stuff that the CG was was doing. Right? Yeah, but I'm saying it's not that I'm saying it's not that compelling. It's like, okay, I got you. All right, we're split. Was the movie well cast? You got some Tom Hardy, some Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Leo DiCaprio, Michael Caine. I don't think I Ellen think Page. I think Leonardo DiCaprio is vastly over overrated. I think that he is a very hot and cold in uh, in his uh this same Rolls? year, Shutter Island came out, and Shutter Island's terrible. Yeah. Inception, though, he's great. Uh, so I, I'm not sure what, what you're... I'm saying no. I'm saying... Not not well cast. Nah. Well, you don't, no, you don't I like mean, Leo in this I one? Like, I, really I think Leo's know, great in I this think, one. But Tom Hardy's not in it very much. But, no, he's not. But Tom Hardy's great. Ellen Page is great. Mm-hmm. Josh, jo, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt Gordon is great. Mm-hmm. So I would say yeah. Okay. 
Well cast. Uh, does the movie hold up to multiple viewings? Actually, I would say yes. Yeah, absolutely. This is yeah. this is it's a one movie of those that you movie. can watch. But see, a movie that is holds up to multiple viewings usually doesn't have the best compelling story because you sometimes you just lose yourself in it. Uh, I I see. I, I don't know. We're we're at odds. This is this is going to split the audience. I think. I, I think it is compelling because of how interestingly it's told. Um, so much so that you go back and watch it multiple times because you're like, this is going to be a fun ride. You know, even if I know all of the folds and the, you, you know, the layers, the way that they're going to convey all those things is the, interesting every single time. I actually time. thought, okay, the whole, the whole idea of the story was just, she keeps just dropping deeper and deeper and deeper in the different minds. And I was like, okay, that's the whole story. Yeah, but you know when you put it as simply as that, but then that's the it story. doesn't seem compelling. But the way that they conveyed those worlds and dropping into the thing and like how time shifts and like building the whole world of Inception is is so compelling, so compelling. And that's a testament Just to bells sort of, and whistles, man. Well, it might be bells and whistles, but those bells and whistles are hold up to multiple viewings. They hold up to multiple viewings. Yeah. So okay, so would you recommend this movie? Absolutely, I would recommend this movie. I wouldn't. No. No, because I didn't. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go back and watch it. If somebody was like, uh, "I've never seen Inception," you wouldn't be like, "What?" Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Oh, okay, I, I would be a little gobsmacked. All right, so tallying up Inception score: one, two, three, four. Um, all right, solid. The kids are all right. Okay, let's blow through this one. Is this movie timeless? I would say no. I would too much naked ass by Julianne <laughs> Moore and uh, Mark Ruffalo. They're naked and everything, and it pisses me off. I would also say no. Some of the uh, underlying themes of this movie, the movie is a basically a, a married lesbian couple who uh, inseminated or used a sperm don- donor to um, uh, to have their two kids, uh, each of them. Um, their kids, when they get older, seek out their sperm donor dad, and it ends up being Mark Ruffalo. And then Mark Ruffalo sort of, you know, sort of tries to become a part of his kid's life and gets closer to the family and eventually has an affair with Julianne Moore um, because the her and, is it Annette Benning? Is that is that who's in this? Annette Benning's in this, yeah. Um, they're having sort of like, you know, some marital spats, you know, because of... Uh, competing ambitions and you know relationship cycle stuff um you know a timeless i i don't i don't think that the way they handled the sort of themes of a same sex marriage or same sex i can't stand same sex parents you like, dealing with their sort of like no offense to chasing amy but i can't stand any movies where they have straight man turning a lesbian because it's just it far-fetched to me yeah i think see, it's a a male person's I, view of a I, lesbian relationship i agree i agree and and this has a bit of that the where i where i've defended chasing amy in the past is that she has a whole speech about how she's not she doesn't consider herself a, a lesbian or straight or whatever she's just looking for love wherever it comes well no but that's still and Kevin Smith lived, creating a world I in which I a lesbian is able to say that and really in the nineties, we didn't that would have be, that would be the same ways. thing. That would be the same thing as a heterosexual man waking up. A heterosexual man wouldn't. You wouldn't have a movie where he walks up and says, "I'm with everybody. I just, I just like walk around and I don't really have partners. I just have everybody." People would be like, "I can't believe that because that's not what a normal person would do." It yeah, well, be, see, you in, couldn't sell that in the nineties. Apparently, in the 90s, you can sell a there lesbian wasn't, doing that. There wasn't um, as much. You know, there there wasn't uh, as many ways to sort of express bisexuality. Yeah, people weren't woke. Right, well, like, that people would sort of understand. Um, Unless you were a chili pepper. <laughs> right? Um, that th- that sort of concept, you know, in the 90s when, when um, sort of gay culture was, was becoming sort of more prevalent as a, a, a in the mainstream, um, with, you know, movies that were being made, you know, that we're introducing fully uh, homosexual relationships and themes and all that kind of stuff as becoming more of a more constant theme in the art. Um, it still was really only kind of a black and white issue. It was like there were gay people, there were straight people, you know, chasing Amy sort of approaches it um, with those terms, but presents something that is in the middle, you know, is, is more of a bisexual um, person and her journey to find love. And one of those journey, you know, part of that journey, um, takes her 
um, in relationships with women. And one of those parts of her journey takes her in a relationship with Ben Affleck, <laughs> you know, um, unfortunately, you know, um, yeah. and that's where I, I'll defend it a little more. This is like, she's a lesbian. She's been with this girl. Or she's been with her partner for most of her adult life. They met in college. They fell in love. They raised kids together, whatever. And then like Mark Ruffalo comes, comes along and like gives her a wink and she's like, let's bone. I don't think that's how the world works. <laughs> so you're or not at least saying not it's the timeless. World, at least not the world that they've even set up in in that movie. You you're not saying so? it's timeless then? Uh, not, no. Okay. Well, so then you would not go with Sorik being compelling. You've just made a whole case for it not being compelling, which I'm already saying I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would say no fingers for timeless, no fingers for compelling. I would say the movie is well cast. It's got friggin' Annette Benning for God's sakes. Uh, we're in agreement all the way through here, yeah. I, I don't even need to argue. And uh, everybody doing things in this movie is great. PETA is great in this movie. <laughs> I think that the movie does hold up to multiple, does not hold up to multiple viewings because actually, I mean, it's a fun movie. It's not hard to watch multiple times, but I don't need to see I it. I would give it a finger for multiple viewings. All right, well, half a point because I don't need to see it another, another time. I wouldn't recommend it. I would not recommend this movie. Uh, there's no reason why I need to be shocked that somebody hasn't seen this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend it. Okay, so but telling... I've been talking off mic the entire movie. The entire, I mean, the entire show? show. Oh, that'll be fine. Just fix that in post. It'll be fine. Um, I'm just telling gonna, up... I'm just gonna re I'm gonna re say everything I said. <laughs> telling up the kids are all right. It got one and a half fingers. Okay. The social network. Okay. Is the movie timeless? I think a lot of people saw this movie, so mm-hmm. I think the social a... I think this movie. <laughs> I think this movie is going to be incredibly dated very fucking fast. Simply because it's a, about Facebook? Or... Yes. I think if there was a movie completely about MySpace, which this movie kind of is, I think this movie would be, if there was a movie completely about MySpace, it would <laughs> nobody would go see it. Well, MySpace was such a fleeting phenomenon. Facebook is so ingrained into our, our lives you know, uh, yeah, but remember, right now Facebook is only is older people, <laughs> sort of, yeah. So, well, it's younger people, uh, but they don't know they're on Facebook because it's I'm just all saying, it's all older people's children. I'm just saying that I don't think it's a timeless movie because I think okay, think of it like in 30 years. I think in 30 years people are going to watch the Social Network. Maybe in maybe in history class they're going to watch Social Network. I would say it holds up the way that like Network holds up. I was thinking me. the exact same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, but network is not timeless because we're well, the, the only reason I saw it was because I was st- I was boning up for this. <laughs> network isn't timeless because that was made as like a present day thing. The social network is a story about an event that actually happened. So like it looking a certain way, it sort of ex- expressing the world in in you know terms of 2002 or whatever the fuck it was. Um, I think it's going to be incredibly dated. Still, it'll be fine. All right, we're we're split on split this. on that. It's it's also just it's a really well done movie, so I think it will remain timeless. Fine. If they did a whole movie about about uh, Microsoft, I don't well, know look at the Jobs movies. The Steve, Steve I don't Jobs think they're movies. Gonna be, I don't think anybody's going to want to. I them. think one will be dated and one will be timeless. I'll leave that up to the listeners to de- decide which one you think of the Steve Jobs movies out there. Um, all right. Is the story compelling? The social network compelling? Absolutely. Yes, I agree. Especially with uh, the way Fincher tells a story, it's going to be compelling no matter what. Uh, was the movie well cast? This I know you've got I issues with Jesse Eisenberg. With. I am not a Jesse Eisenberg fan, and I don't really like Jason, Justin Timberlake that much as an actor. Hmm. But were they Alpha good? Alpha Dog was great with <laughs> Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Alpha Dog. Over did this? You see, did you see Justin Timberlake in Alpha Dog? I did, but over this. I'm talking about Justin Timberlake's acting in both of them. No, I know, but I'm saying like Justin Timberlake in Alpha Dog versus Sucks. Justin Timberlake. Generally, generally. I said, if you take just Justin Network. Timberlake acting in one of the movies, uh-huh. I would take his acting in Alpha Dog over his acting in Social Network any day. Nah, I disagree. That's fine. You know, you can. I disagree. Yeah. Um, I don't think this was well cast. I think there was other actors that could have done that part better. The Zuckerberg character, than other than Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, 
Really? Yeah. Like who? Michael Sarah? Michael Sarah or the guy from Kick Ass? The guy from Kick Ass. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I disagree. I think it's it's wonderfully cast. I think everybody puts in really strong performances. Uh, half a point, though. Does the movie hold up to multiple viewings? I don't know. I mean, that's kind of a weird... That's, it's a weird movie to watch multiple times because the subject matter isn't that exciting. I agree. This is one of those movies where I think, I should watch that movie again, and then I haven't. Yeah, so I <laughs> you know would say I mean? no. So I, like, I want to give it a point, but... Truth be told, I'm not seeking this movie out, you know? Yeah. All I right. would recommend this movie. Would you recommend... You would recommend this movie? Yeah. I would also recommend this movie, um, especially considering how, like, crucial Facebook has become in sort of our interactions with each other. Yeah. The way we communicate now is very much, you know, um, changed because of Facebook. And so the impact of how it all got started and, like what its roots are and stuff I think is something where I'd be like you you got to see the social network because it'll change your whole perspective of like where the world is now you know yep all right so tiling up the social network score one two three fingers so very that's that's driving miss daisy score oh uh, yeah you know all right this is the last one last movie true grit true grit I think this movie is timeless because I think all cowboy movies are timeless. I timeless. I really do. Uh, I I would agree. It's a you know it's a Cohen esque western, but it's not overly uh, Cohen'd like uh, the Ballad of Buster. I don't Scruggs. think this is at all Cohen. This is doesn't have any quirkiness. It does. To it. it does have quirkiness. There's Where? there's, there's uh, like no quirkiness. There's a uh, there's you know there's a specific like aesthetic that Cohen Brothers movies have that this absolutely has. There's also um, there's moments of where like they'll hit you with one emotion and then juxtapose that with the yeah, this opposite is straight emotion. Up, this is just straight up like cowboy movie. There's no like like what you talk about as Coen Brothers is like a quirkiness like Fargo sure. or like um, Buster Scruggs or those those are Coen Brothers. Those are those are this like is one not one extreme. I would agree that this, this is, is just this is a, a more flatter version of the Coen Brothers, but it's still there's still touches there. There's I still guess. a little bit of Joel and Ethan in there, you know? Uh, but absolutely timeless, yeah. Uh, fucking, what's his face? Jeff Bridges. Goddamn if I don't love everything that dude does. Even if I don't like the subject matter, there's something about like his gravitas that just sucks me in every time. You know what I'm saying? I do. Um, I actually don't think this is that compelling of a story. I think this is actually kind of a boring story. I will say. Um, it's paced a little slow. And I love westerns mm-hmm. that's probably my favorite type of movie um and i can't but but i like i don't mind it being slow i loved hateful eight loved it mm-hmm. i think this one was a little slow for me um i don't think it's very compelling this is the first time we get introduced to what's her face Haley son sonnenfeld what, what's her name steinfeld no she's she steinfeld was, she was in the the pitch perfect two fuck what's her name <laughs> hey Haley something? She was in... Uh, Jay Leno. She was in that movie, uh, The Edge of Seventeen. Jerry Seinfeld. Or The Edge of the edge of Seventeen. Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, this is the first time we, we get introduced to her, and um, she carries a movie for being an, an actress that nobody had ever heard of in, in a really nice way, plus Jeff Bridges makes for a very compelling watch, regardless of the sort of slower pace or less of a story story. You know what I'm saying? For me. So I'm inclined to give it a finger. But uh, we're split, so half a finger. All right. Um, was the movie well cast? I think it was. I think I just made a couple points to to that point. Yes, it was absolutely well cast. Um, does the movie hold up to multiple viewings? Yes. Uh, I mean, we're both we both have soft spots for westerns, so I think absolutely we'll be watching. We watch this movie. Actually, you know what? I, but times. I have not watched it. Um, yet because I've seen every movie I've seen since this every western I've seen since this movie came out I've seen multiple times mm-hmm. including like Hateful Eight and even um, what's that other one uh, I can't remember oh even um, even that Netflix series Godless Godless I've mm-hmm. seen that like three times sure I haven't watched True Grit 
Is so it, I think I just is don't. It a, is it available on a streaming service? That that might be part yeah. of it. Is just accessibility. Yeah, it is. Is it? But I just I for some reason I just don't. I don't. You actively wait, pass. I it? was right. It is Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld. That's what I said. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you're fine. I thought you said Seinfeld. <laughs> I did it first, but oh, I was joking. Yeah, and yeah. I, but I said Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. I agree. Yes, you're you're correct. Okay. <laughs> I acquiesce. <laughs> um. So, do you want to change your your vote to what? To a no? It's not. It doesn't hold up to multiple viewings. No, I mean, it just I haven't gotten back to it. I mean, oh, so it would hold up to multiple viewings. You just haven't. Yet. Yeah. Okay. All right. And would you recommend True Grit? Uh, I don't really think I would. It's not my. It's not my first western I would go to. If I was going to recommend a western mm-hmm. to somebody, this would not. I mean, I would. There's so many more westerns I would, I would, I would recommend. There's a lot of good westerns out there. There is. Actually, um, you know what? Modern westerns that are shot well that don't look dated. There is very few. So yeah. I want to love this one. Sure. I want to turn this one on. And love this. Actually, I would rather watch Lone Ranger. <laughs> it's slick. I love Lone that Ranger movie. Is slick. It's I love slick, that movie. Fun western. It's just not. There's a lot of things that are, that are just... 310 to Yuma? 310 to Yuma is great. Great movie. Oh, man. But um, I got to say, this one is... Sometimes it's hard to watch, but... um, So I would have to say I'd give it a half point. Well, that's assuming that I'm going to give it a point. Are you giving it a point? Absolutely, yeah. I would All recommend right. this movie for um, Matt Damon's mustache alone. <laughs> <laughs> He's a bad guy in this, right? He's sort of a squirrely guy. Yeah. Um, so tallying up uh, true grit score one two three four fingers. All right, so that is, that wraps up the. That means it gives us a three way tie, doesn't it? Well, let's see. Let's go through our score here and find out where we're at. Coming in at last place, we have a tie between Black Swan and the kids are all right. All, all the kids are right with one and a half fingers. One and a half fingers. Uh, next, we have another tie for third runner-up, I guess, at this point. Uh, 127 hours and the social network both have three fingers. That's, that's solid, though. Yeah, you know. Uh, sitting in fourth place um, is the King's Speech with three and a half stars. And then, yes, we do have a three-way tie between True Grit, Inception, and The Fighter. All with, nice. That means all we get to four. Rochambeau. We get to Rock, Paper, Scissors, there right? Is, there is only one way that we, we settle tiebreakers here on uh, Switch the Envelope, but... Um, not, not with Roche, not with rock paper scissors Oscars this week. Why not? Because there's three of them. I think That's there's true. only one way that we can solve this issue. You know what that is, Jeff? No, I don't actually. The winner, the switch of the envelope for 2011 Best Picture, Toy Story three. <laughs> All right, Toy Story three <laughs> it gets settled. to switch the envelope. We did it. Toy Story three, perfect five fingers. We're moving on. Go and grab fucking the King's Speech thing and give it to a fucking cartoon. Tom Hanks, let him dance. His Woody dance. Buzz Lightyear fucking Ooh, wait, falling wait, wait, wait. with style around the room. We, what if we rock, paper, scissors, tangled in Toy Story? Mm. All right, fine. Mm. No. Because we agreed not to have any alternates. True. And I, All I right, really, fine. I really want to hold true to our rules because rules are everything. Deal. <laughs> All right, Toy Story 3 wins the Oscar. That's that's pretty much it, Jeff, right? There's only really one thing left to do to end this episode, right? There is only one thing left to do, and that is to dedicate our episode. This week, we are going to dedicate our episode to the star of the movie Marmaduke. <laughs> we are going to dedicate our episode to the one, the only, Sam motherfucking Elliot. What is his character's name in Marmaduke? Chupadogra. What? He is Chupadogra. He plays Chupadogra. Yep. He he's voice acting in this. Chupadogra. They they made Sam Elliott Chupadogra. Yep. And fucking George Lopez is in this movie. Yep. That's Carlos. <laughs> Owen Wilson is Marmaduke, and, and uh, Emma Stone is as Mazzy. Mazzy. Hey, Fergie's Jezebel. Yeah. Oh my God. But yeah, we're going to dedicate this episode to Sam Elliott. You stay cool and you stay mustaching it up, you sexy man, you. I hope his dog character had a mustache. 
guarantee. Chupadogra. It was a big, big <laughs> ass mustache. Mustache. He had to have been the bad guy. I don't. I don't care. Now I need to see Marmaduke. He's Chupadogra. Yeah, right. Like the Chupacabra, but he's like Chupadogra. Right, right. I, no, I see what they, what they were going with it. I guarantee you, that you dog see, has mustache. Do you see Chupacabra? Like but Chupadogra. The, the only dog that that Sam Elliott can ever be is like a Scottish Terrier. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because it looks like him? Yeah, because it already has that like mustache he doesn't jowl. Have a, he doesn't have the Scotch Terrier voice. No, he doesn't. He has the Chupadogra voice. He doesn't, but he has the look. All right. You know so, thank you very much, guys. It's been a wonderful, wonderful episode. That music has been playing for a while. Yeah, I think the music <laughs> ended like 10 minutes ago. All right, well, we'll see you next time on Switch the <laughs>